the theme for the uh, <coughs> evening talk is uh, what are the priorities. I'd mentioned uh, just briefly yesterday evening that I come to the United States uh, with some uh, regularity, that is for uh, twice a year for the last uh, 20 years plus. So it's probably made, it has made, in fact, more than 40 visits. And, but in, in coming here, it's also a coming here but not going anywhere. In other words, that I get off the, the flight at New York or Boston, come to uh, Barrie, and in the summer come back here, and then go to the other coast, to the sister center of IMS at uh, Spirit Rock. And I've also been to Santa Rosa, which is where the retreats used to be held there. So, in fact, in making these trips to the United States, I actually have never seen the United States. I, I've just seen the American mind. <laughs> <laughs> and in traveling as well, in other various areas and places uh, as well, um, one is often left appropriately or inappropriately with kinds of impressions of, uh, of various parts of the world that uh, some of us uh, travel to. And one of the impressions that I get, and it may be uh, accurate or, or not, is that over the years in uh, coming here, the degree of pressure and the various uh, consequences of it in people's lives here is on the increase. That's the impression that I get in uh, a variety of ways through the meetings and talking with people in small groups, in one-to-ones, uh, east and uh, west coast. And though that may be, a, in the most generalization, a general trend which is uh, noticeable everywhere, it does seem to me that there is a, a certain kind of acceleration that is going on um, when I come here and just through the listening to what people are saying. And I think it's because there is a belief, it's not only here of course but in other parts of the world as well, there is a, a belief that goes on and the belief provides a kind of mythology in uh, which we live, and the actuality and the mythology, of course, are in conflict with each other. And what I mean and have in mind in that is that there are countless promises which are being uh, made to us that if we go for whatever it might be in a having or possessing uh, mode, it will make us happier. And this has been said and challenged and questioned um, again and again, and I think it needs to be brought up uh, again and again to act and to find ways within our own life that we actually question this, the intensity, the frequency and the mercilessness of this viewpoint and the pressure that it creates on people's lives. The view that by going for this and having more, it, whatever I succeed in, will make me happier. And this relationship, this thinking, this, this wretched ideology is relentless. And every single advertisement 
carries this deception with it. Every single one of them. Not in exclusively of itself, but as a consistent <clears throat> unwavering pressure on people's lives to do more, to achieve more, to become somebody with the falseness of the effect of it that it makes people happier to do that. And what we find, uh, what I see in and uh, hear day in and day out, that it isn't. It isn't. It's a lie. It's a myth. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a false perception. It's a misplaced understanding. It's a, a, a troublesome um, priority that we have uh, established and, and actually got a fixation about. And so being assaulted, and it is a form of assault on lives, on, on human uh, existence, with these messages uh, again and again, and with it going right through the schooling, of course, and right through the business community, the public sector, the private sector, etc. As small people on this earth, willy-nilly, we find ourselves so easily and frequently caught up in it. And so, in the deeper levels of the psyche, there is a sense, there is a feeling, which we have internalised, of dissatisfaction. That feeling is moving in the deeper level <coughs> of the psyche, <coughs> impacting on our life, and from the dissatisfaction which comes, one takes the view, moving towards, will dispel the dissatisfaction. And the mode which has been given to us for that <coughs> is through having. Through having. And of course, one expression and form of uh, having becomes a temporary satisfaction only to be the step and the cause for becoming the very dissatisfaction itself, which then breeds another movement towards uh, trying to find satisfaction and, of course, happiness. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare for the individual, it's a nightmare socially, it's a nightmare uh, collectively, it's a nightmare environmentally, <clears throat> and there seems to be a lack, an unwillingness to stop and question the relentless pressure on people's lives which makes one feel dissatisfied and keep having this movement towards, movement towards, movement towards. Sometimes, and we have to take a good hard look at ourselves with regard to this, but sometimes we want it always. The, 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 the madness of the ego is Relentless. Sometimes we say, I want more, whatever it is, or I want to have, whatever uh, that might be, or a whole sequence of things, and I want happiness to go with it, peace to go with it, joy to go with it, contentment to go uh, with it. I want it always. 
sorry, not possible. One cannot, one will directly be in conflict with the other. And so, this, this uh, festering pit within of dissatisfaction keeps renewing itself. One says, I don't like this. I don't like this stress, this pressure, this worry, this insomnia, this agitation, this relentless pilgrimage to the, the, the pagoda, the refrigerator, this <laughs> constant dissatisfaction that's going on around me with, with, with whatever. But I want peace of mind as well. I want to perpetuate a lifestyle which is relentless and I want peace and contentment and happiness and joy and clarity and compassion and love and happiness to be with it. Hopeless. Hopeless. And so sometimes in the very motivations and the interests of coming into a climate like this, that is a meditation climate, it's easy, terribly easy, to adopt the view that I'll come on a retreat, I'll get myself clear, I'll get some inner peace there, I'll get some little knowledge of Dharma practice, etc., etc. I'll take a few methods and techniques uh, away with me, and then I'll go straight back into what I come from. And in going back into that, I'll have all of this, so then I can do everything that I was doing before in exactly the same way and have peace and contentment to go with it. In the tradition, sometimes gets forgotten, even though it's a, a core element of it, there's a word. Sometimes some of Times in some places people almost shy to bring it up, but however I've never suffered from shyness. And and that is renunciation. And that is change in a genuine meaning of change. So the context of a situation like being here is not only to engage in the various practices that we are engaged in, but also and equally important to actually take a real focused look at lifestyle. Lifestyle and inner peace, the outer and the inner, have a relationship. And sometimes we don't want to admit that there is a very direct, unambiguous relationship between the way of living and the consequences on the inner life. And unless we begin to make that awareness, that dependently arising awareness, actually start meeting together and really take one makes for the other, we'll constantly be in conflict. And we'll constantly be looking for situations to act as a panacea, to have a little bit of quietness, which will last for about ten minutes, that means between here and Barry. And then very quickly, or if you're lucky, within a few days, all the old issues will be back. Why? Because the totality of the life wasn't examined. Therefore, lifestyle. 
Sometimes in the old text it takes a, a, a kind of tougher view. I, I tend to be a little bit more uh, generous. And the tougher view in the old lifestyle was give up the householder's life. It's hopeless. Now, there's not many of you going to be doing that at the next Sunday afternoon. So, so there's enough freedoms within the life, social, ordinary, everyday uh, uh, freedoms, that it doesn't mean such a radical departure from the known and the familiar. But certainly, we need to generate and create some time here to look at. Is the lifestyle reflecting clarity and wisdom, or is the way that I am living, a way of living, that the one who has the most difficult consequences of it is oneself? Pity. Terrible pity. Living a way of life which the priority is keep shooting oneself in the foot. So it might be, not for everybody, but it might be in taking some overview of, the sit of our situation that that may arise during the days here, your meditations, your one-to-ones, the small groups, the inquiry, listening to the teachings... Uh, etc. And so that in taking an, o an overview, Buddhist tradition is called non-attachment to one's existence, same thing as an overview of one's existence, to see very clearly and well for oneself what in lifestyle terms is in accordance with wisdom, is in accordance with some deep intelligence, and what isn't. Can we know ourselves, hopefully, just well enough to know that? What are we doing that's really un unwise? And what can we do, and what do we need to develop to bring out, which really shows the wisdom in the way of living? And if we give, during the time here, some genuine attention to that, I'm quite sure that things will stand out which genuinely need attending to. I was just um, um, in uh, New York and yeah, yesterday morning giving uh, uh, a workshop. And one uh, person made... Uh, uh, reference, <coughs> it's one of the old favourites, to this dreaded word, abundance. Now, this always attracts interest. I just saw, saw that um, huge newspaper, that, the New York Times, they have it in the bath <laughs> uh, uh, there. I've never known anywhere in the world such a heavy newspaper with so little in it. And in one of the 237 sections, <laughs> there's the um, uh, books to read. So, being one of those who writes books which regularly achieve the top of the least sellers list, <laughs> I went to have a look to see what, what are people reading in the USA. Curious, perhaps Joseph and Sharon's books are there. Well, they're not. And I had, and had a look through. 
So I can't quite remember the title of the most popular book. But the word that sticks out in the title was money. Now, it wasn't anything about having less, I can tell you that. <laughs> so there is a view. The view, the mind is shaped. And the impact of the view in the psyche, in the depth of the, uh, of the psyche, running around the theme of abundance. And that the ideas of the success with a capital S, tend to impact on us in terms of abundance. The self has not got a hope of ever realizing abundance for itself. It's another one of the great mythologies of our time and probably of all times. In other words, the very mode of thinking and feeling and acting and living in this world says, here I am, this small, whatever, vulnerable, fragile uh, human being. All these messages are being directed to me. And through the messages which are being directed uh, to me, one of them is of abundance and accumulation and acquiring and succeeding and gaining, etc. And I think that's where abundance lies. It doesn't. It doesn't. It actually lies outside of the having and the possessing. And we only have to stop for a few moments in life and to give ourselves a little silence and a little stillness and a little awareness that the real abundance of life can't be owned. Look around. Sky, earth, trees, flowers, nature, people, all this extraordinary diversity. It can't be owned. And th therefore the real abundance is not in the form of the movement of the mind to have for me. Real abundance lies outside of it. And that whatever you and I, as it were, have in this world, it's peanuts compared to the abundance that's outside of it. And this shift will, if we're willing to make the shift, not only affect the lifestyle, but also and equally affect our relationship to what we say we have. Small change in this vast field of diversity. Obviously. So if in life there is a lack of appreciation and a lack of connection, and a lack of feeling for, for what lies outside what we own and what we want, if there is a lack of appreciation for it, then the attention has to go into the priority that the self gives to existence, the conditioned wretched self gives to existence, in terms of pursuit of. Because that's what, that's what we know, that's what we're framed into, that's what we're conditioned into. That's what our petty little life has become. Tragic, tragic, tragic. So we say, yeah, wh wh where do I, what, what does that mean? How do I, in practical terms, do I explore this, look into this? Then? So 
So it comes back, as I said a few moments ago, to looking at our life. What is it in the lifestyle that is going on with us? What needs to be really changed in our life so that our life opens itself up? This pointing to opening up our life is the pointing to a liberated and enlightened life. One of the main priorities, and I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, especially coming across the, from the, 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 the pond uh, there, that the shortage of holidays that people have in this country. A couple of weeks a year. It's regarded on the other side as obscene that people in this country are only allowed two weeks off uh, a year. It's minimum five weeks in the European uh, union and extremely long lunch hours. <laughs> Especially in England, I have to say. Never phone an office between 12 and 3 in England, you know what I mean. So sometimes the pressure comes. It is internalized, as I, as I, uh, as I said before. There is a compelling need in terms of, terms of the doing. There is, as one person reported in the small group, and what one hears of, of job assessment and analysis being made of how much work one is doing and one's degree of productivity and efficiency and comparing staff with other members of the staff and all, all of that that goes on. And some of you know this only so well that it begins to create another kind of pressure in one's life. Something somewhere, inwardly and outwardly, need, needs to change. And in that, in terms of being in the retreat environment and, and uh, situation, sometimes, not easy, one will have to take risks. And, though, and though, those, the kind of risks that I have in mind is the, is, is the risk where one is going to live as wisely and as clearly as possible, and one is going to refuse to be caught up in this dread, dreaded and dreadful cycle of pressure. That somewhere human beings have to come to a place as quickly as possible and just say no. And the risk is, that's the job, that's your risk. The risk is lower income. The risk is lack of promotion. Risk is um, being told that one isn't committed, or whatever. But unless men and women are willing to stop, and willing to say no, and willing to give value to existence for itself, then not only is one providing an extraordinary disservice to oneself in this world, but also to this present generation and the next generation. It is relentless. And my observation, as I mentioned earlier, and it's just a small random one, admittedly, that the intensity of it, the frequency of it, the busyness of the life is increasing, and it's noticeably increasing. Therefore, the unhappiness, the stress, is increasing along with it. It's horrible. And the pressures show itself within the country, and the pressures show itself in many other ways as well. 
Your own president has ordered uh, the bombing of four different countries in the last six or seven months. So something needs to come to a place where you and I stop, you and I take a, a real look at the pressures that we are creating in ourselves and in others, and the risk is that it can affect our livelihood. But I think it's important. It's a riot. It's a, it, 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 it's a voice. And those of you who uh, have influence, and some of you have influence, and in your respective fields are, are, are known and, and have authority and have position, and have the opportunity and have the privilege as well to be able to look at lifestyle not only for yourself as well but for those peoples whose lives you immediately influence. The way of things, as I keep repeating myself here, really has to change. People are not happy. It's not a happy life. Some of you in the hall, of course, we know, and others uh, as well have looked into this long and hard and have stepped out of the rat race. Others of you are, are, are willing to take clear steps in life that shows respect to yourself and, and respect to what, who, whoever is around you. So in looking at today, we just take a, a today in the immediacy of things uh, uh, through, through the day here. Not surprisingly, first day in terms of the small group meetings with you. And uh, uh, there, that there can be quite considerable waves of you know, um, uh, tiredness which arises. And it's all the adjustment that goes on in being in a fresh situation, <laughs> Lots of strangers, silence, etc., etc. But it's also an equally important that in taking uh, an overview, with tiredness as one of the uh, important indicators of health, of being, is the tiredness running strong regularly and in the situation of here? Is it going, not just from the usual adjustments on the first day, but in, as you will see, is it going into the second day? Is it going into the third day? And when sometimes uh, the, the yogis bring up the old chestnut of, it always takes two or three days for me to settle into a retreat. This is, a <coughs> this is one of the popular mantras of IMS. Well, what about if it was only a three-day retreat? Time that settled in, the, 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 it's all, may all beings be well and happy and have a nice journey home. <laughs> so there's, there's two or three days of settling, settling into uh, a retreat. But sometimes the tiredness level is actually in the being is actually running deeper. And we hear, in my kind of general impression, more often 
the language of pressure, exhaustion, burnout, tiredness, um, uh, that kind of um, um, unrest in its physical, emotional and, and mental form. And so if there is a persistence, in this case it could be anything, but in this case uh, tiredness, then that as a result of circumstances needs us to stop and say, well what is it that I'm doing that is so exhausting me? What is actually going on with me? And one of the things which contributes, as somebody pointed out today, contributes significantly to tiredness and the impact on us is resistance. Resistance is a, is a, is a terror. It's a killer. And so sometimes we can be in particular activities, whatever, work, relationship, um, parenting, unemployment, a retreat, I better include that to do with the others. And there is resistance. Some people will say, my resistance, resistance starts at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. Or whatever. My resistance starts as soon as I'm in contact with this particular person or persons. And that resistance is a holding, it's an energy, it's a tightness, it's a, it's a tension. And that's going on with us. It isn't being attended to. And the outcome of it is, we carry on doing what we're doing. One part of us is in resistance, therefore there's a reluctance to it. And the other part is doing it for a whole variety of motivations, whatever, the, whatever they might be. And we're not aware of how wearing it is upon us, being in a state of resistance, and feeling one has to. And if one puts these two together, there, in the course of time, that will rub on the inner life sufficiently that it becomes wearing on the psyche. Wearing on the emotional life. Wearing on the cellular life itself. Because we're doing something but not wanting to do. Of course, human beings, as human beings on this earth, we have some capacity, you know, plenty of times when you and I you know, have to do something, we don't want to do it. It'd be a rare day that you and I can get through without that happening. Parents know it with young kids night after night. Got to get up, kids crying or whatever it might be. But when it actually becomes a lifestyle let's say, if it's work, 40 hours a week plus a whole chunk of our life for some people, or hopefully it's a minority amongst you. With resistance and having two work, working, working together, a little bit of calm meditation, if you're lucky, over the days, ain't going to resolve that. That's going to be needing to attend it to. Something will need to be shifting in one's whole attitude, in the lifestyle, in the relationship, in the whole way of looking. Something will have to shift. Otherwise, one runs the risk that in due 
course, the combination of those two will generate reactivity, negativity, disappointment, cynicism, agitation, blame, you name it. The unpleasantness will keep coming out because of one or two factors going on inside of oneself which are not which we are not genuinely looking at. One of the great resources and supports for us in the indirect way is the development of deep appreciation for that which you and I cannot own. Because that's where the real abundance is. And if we have no time for that. And not surprisingly, meditation centers and monasteries and spiritual places are often in very lovely and sweet, precious environments like we have uh, here. To give us a reminder of the importance in our life, of our relationship in our life, to all of that, to get that well and bright and clear in ourselves, because that itself will contribute to looking at what we're doing with our life with a little bit more space around it. So that maybe in enlightening our life, which is the only thing in this life worth doing, that maybe our life and our lifestyle will fit in to something much greater. And therefore we've realized something. We've discovered something. We're enlightened about something. Well, we encourage you to the max here to develop the meditations as clearly as possible. To recognize the relationship and to attend to it of lifestyle to the inner life. To ensure that there is opportunities during the days here towards that awareness of what lies around you. In the nature, in presence, in silence, that which we can't own and let one be touched and receptive to uh, all, all of that. To keep the focus of the meditations as clear and as single-pointed and as dedicated as much as possible. That where one's noticing inside of oneself things which one knows one needs to attend to, please endeavour to attend to them. So that sometimes from too much mental work we forget how much of our mental life is supported by our feeling and our emotional life. And sometimes when there's conflict, let us say, in human relationships, in interpersonal relationships, not only does it can it have an enormous impact on our feelings about anything and anyone, including ourselves, but also can easily take the heart out of wanting to do any work and generating other forms of resistance there. Sometimes that is in movement and is in a state of dissatisfaction. Emotional life and mental life is of course related to organic life as well. 
and therefore the impact of all of that begins to affect us in our, in our cellular uh, life. So, sometimes for some people, part of the purpose and function of being on the retreat and in, is enlivening the energy. Please, exercise. Sometimes, people, somebody said today in a small group, uh, speaking to somebody, who's been uh, on retreat uh, regularly or in contact with retreats for 10, 20 years, I can't remember, whatever the time. So sometimes uh, people get the idea or the impression, sit and walk and it's the answer to absolute everything. Well, if it was, I'd be delighted because then we just sit and walk. But it isn't wisdom. There are any answers, it's, 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 it's in the wisdom. And what I mean by that is that for some of you, and again to look at yourself with regard to this, it might be extremely important and, in, and invaluable to be engaged regularly, daily here in exercise. Now for some people this is a, a revolutionary idea. Despite all the New York Times bestsellers about the importance of uh, uh, exercise, for a rather large number of people, it's a great theory. So for some of you, some exercise would be wonderful. Some of you who do yoga, please, please, I beg you, do yoga, or whatever. So it's looking at the whole of the being, heart, mind and body, Attending to looking at lifestyle and the way of uh, living and using the resources of the silence, the forms, the meditations. And if one brings all of that together, as well as the resources outside of the self, one will awaken one's life. That's what will happen. And it may mean, as I said earlier, that... For some of you, it will mean risk. That goes with it. You can't have your cake and eat it. You have to take risks. But if you take the risk, there's a certain truth about it. There's a certain integrity about it. And it will support you. And you'll provide a great service for all of us. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings be willing to look into the condition of the self. May all beings live a free and spacious life. So let's have a couple of uh, quiet minutes together, shall we please?
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.